Basically, I've always had an on and off relationship with God. I joined, the, uh, I joined the military 16 years old and I was full of rage and anger. And uh, I had a lot of drive, not a lot of size, but a lot of drive. And I had to, you know, harness that because the enemy could, you know, take it one way. And when I joined the military, 16 again, full of rage, anger, all that. And, uh, you know, in a few short years, I, you know, I had authority issues. And, you know, one big one that sticks out for me, I, I, uh, I beat a superior severely and ended up in a real tough prison, Club Ed, they call it. And, uh, during that stretch, uh, they gave me one book, the Bible, and I read it back to back two, three times. And uh, I never felt alone in that cell. I felt a strength. It was an incredible feeling. And I came out of there with clarity and vision and the Holy Spirit. I was 19 years old doing that stretch. And I became a better man. From then on, you know, I. The expression gung-ho, I did all the jumping out of planes and the courses and reconnaissance and all that, that uh, infantry stuff. And lo and behold, the uh, enemy crept in again. So to make a long story short, I, uh, you know, I started working nightclubs, had a dual life. I was working uh, strip clubs, nightclubs, and uh, all, all that kind of thing. And, you know, I became friends with some seedy characters and they've always trusted me back then because, you know, I never, I did any drugs, so I was very trusted and became an earner. Then went on my own and I, long story short, I built a big anabolic em empire. I was supplying people, you know, NHL, police, WWE, I was, I was the guy. And my ego got bigger and, uh, you know, and I was getting further away from God looking back, getting further because I wasn't happy. And the reason I knew I was sort of going towards the enemy is it was never enough no matter how much money no matter how many women it just it just it never never was enough it was never fulfilling so once again god uh first example or second example god uh god had to discipline me and i've talked to pastors about that and that's the word they use he doesn't punish he disciplines that's from a westland pastor and uh january 25th 2007 i got raided by a swat team i lost everything again and I started reaching out to God, and he was there the whole time. I, I knew it. So I went out west, found myself, built things up, and you know, one of the things, I, I quit drinking right away, and it, it's a slow process for anybody listening. To, you know, it's not overnight. People say, oh, just quit this, quit that. Nah, you know, it takes a while, and that's, again, some of the teachings I was lucky to have from some pastors. So I, I came back from out west, and I faced the music, and I was baptized September 1st, 2013. Um, life was good, you know, I had a few issues working on, but it was a steady climb. And uh, of course, the enemy creeps in. You know, everybody knows the enemy creeps in when we're least expecting it. So, um, you know, I was nine years clean as a whistle, everything was good. And, you know, I, you know, I, I did something very foolish. I agreed to, uh, I don't want to get into details, but I agreed to lead sort of a crew. And, the night I said, yeah, you know, I'll give you guys a hand with this. And uh, that was the enemy, I know for a fact. 20 minutes later, I was on the side of the road in a freak accident, clinging to my life. And, uh, you know, I was down 56 bags of blood and collapsed lungs. And, uh, you know, it, it was a bad scene. And I, again, God, there was no coincidence there. God, God was there the whole time and, you know, they saved me. 
and I was in the ICU and you know 52 days in the hospital and all this kind of stuff but the whole community prayed and for a guy with a checkered truck had passed everybody was praying including this church and I, I just had to start going to this church it was amazing you know AJ went went to Nova Scotia I had met uh, Mr. Brewer and it's just I had a great feeling here so during, during that accident and if anybody wants to approach me later I won't get into it but uh, I've seen some things and there's no question I was in a spirit world there's no question in my mind if anybody ever wants to talk to it, it was very dark it was very light, lightful so in retro, got you know losing everything and had you know all strength, demeanor, power, whatever was gone, and uh, you know I was talking to this deity on the other side, and um, you know he didn't want me to die, and I really wanted to die. I was in a lot of pain. I really wanted to die, and he wouldn't let me. So um, you know I you know I pulled through, and again it was God's you know grabbing that strength. When I came out of that coma. I had no hate in me, and I knew it was spiritual. I knew it wasn't just hitting a telephone pole 80 miles an hour. I knew it was spiritual. All my old beefs and everything was forgiven, you know, and his fiance, you know, my future fiance was there and she stood by me. My sister, who coincidentally went to high school down in St. John with Mark, they were all there and they never left my side. And, and again, this community was praying and it was just this amazing feeling, even though I was in a wheelchair and. My leg was split up the middle here, and I felt it. You know, I, f I felt what, what, what God can do. And the, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness shall not overcome it. John 1 5. So, I, I guess in closing, I you know, just want to let people know that the strength you can draw from God is the most powerful strength in the universe. Not how much you bench, or how many rounds you can go, or how tough you think you are, how much money you have, or whatever that, you know. And uh, I'm very blessed, and just thank you very much for having me. It's, I'm very humbled to be sitting here, alive. Awesome. Well, how we doing? Good to see you across point, and good to see everyone at South Campus, and uh, we're just really glad that you guys are here today and excited to get into the message today. And I know, I know what you're all thinking. You're looking at me and you're like, has he been working out? I know. No, I have been. I'm, I'm trying not to get too ripped as to be a distraction to anyone when I'm on stage, but I've been to the gym three times in the last month. And uh, I could say I'm well underway for this significant body transformation. And it was funny, it was a few weeks ago, I went to the gym for the first time, and it was Spence from the video who was there, and he's like, I'll show you around, I'll show you how to use everything. Because the first time you go to a gym, you walk in there, and you're like, what is, this is the scariest playground I've ever seen. Right? All these monkey bars look like they want to kill me, and I have no idea what I'm doing. And so he walked me around, and he was like, yeah, this is how you use this one. And he'd sit down and like pull down this thing, and weights would go up, like 700 pounds. And he's like, yeah, 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 get in there, give it a shot, man. So I got in there, and grabbed the bar and was like, nothing, nothing. And so he kindly like shifted the weight to zero. And I was like, yeah, no, this is great. We are pumping iron. And so then we'd, we'd move on to the next one. And, and it was just kind of machine to machine with Spence showing me how to do things. And, and by the time we were done, he was like, all right, now you're all set to work out. Like, what did we just do? I was sweating. I was in pain. I, was, I just worked out. I showered and went home. That was, 
day one at the gym, I demoed three machines and I hurt a lot. And that was it. Thanks, man. A few days later, I went back and there was another cross pointer there. His name's Todd. And uh, Todd was like, why don't I show you around and show you a few more things that you might have missed the other day? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so we went into this other room that looks more fun. There's like big bouncy balls, ropes hanging from the ceiling. I was like, this is way better than weights. This is going to be way easier. And so I went to those, those big, thick ropes that you see people using on TV. And I was like, I'm going to do these. He's like, yeah, you should see if you can go for one minute. One minute? I worked out last week. I am, we are good to go. So I grabbed those ropes and I was like swinging them up and down and it was seven seconds. And I was, I was done, done. I destroyed my triceps. Didn't know I had them until I destroyed them and I had to Google what this was right here and found out, oh, it's my tricep. I don't have them anymore. They're gone. So we went into the corner where those balls are and, and took a, a small ball off of a shelf. He's like, why don't we just start here? I was like, okay, this is better. He's like, all I want you to do is throw the ball to the ground and then catch it when it comes back up. It's like, okay, I've been doing this since I was two, right? So this is, this is going to be great. And, and so I grab this ball and throw it to the ground and it does not bounce. It doesn't come back up. I was like, what is, the, what is wrong with this ball? Your ball's broken. And he's like, no, no, it's like 25 pounds. You got to throw it really hard so that it bounces. And just try it again. I was like, okay. So I lift it higher this time, slam it to the ground. Nothing, nothing. I thought I threw it through the floor, right? Like it's, there's something wrong. So then he demonstrates for me like three times in a row. Just catches it, catches it. I've never felt more futile in my life than the day I couldn't bounce a ball. It was humiliating. It took me one or two trips to the gym to realize very quickly that I am not a strong man. And in fact, you leave the gym thinking, I'm pretty weak, actually. I'm a pretty weak guy. And no one likes to admit that. We love the idea that we would be strong. We live in a world that reveres strength. We reward strength. We love strength. And no one ever wants to talk about their weaknesses. We, we criticize weakness. We look down on weakness. And we celebrate strength. And, and we just love that whole idea of, of only the strong survive. And this whole survival of the fittest thing. And, and you've got to be the strongest and the best. And strength is better and more and bigger. And all these ideas that we see in the world. And so if, if you're strong, you've got bigger muscles. And if your military is stronger than someone else's, they've got more soldiers, better trained, better weapons, more stuff. And if your sports team is stronger than all the other ones, then you've got the best players and you're going to win all of the trophies. And, and it's just, if you're the best and, and the strongest at your job, you're going to get to the top of your field, climb that corporate ladder. It doesn't matter who else you have to step on to get there. It's a competition. You beat them. You won. And, and we reward that, and we love that. The, the celebrities that we look at and, and the people that we hold to this high standard, they're the, well, they're the strongest, they're the best, and they've gotten, and, and so you get to this thing where it's all about your trophies, your rewards, the, the applause that you get from people, because we reward strength, but we look down on weakness. And so what happens when it comes to our weaknesses is that we all try and hide them. We, we'll try and cover them up, We'll try and, and lie about them. We'll try and make it seem like we don't really have these weaknesses because no one wants to be perceived as weak. Well, how many of you have weaknesses? Right, come on now. 
Every hand should be up right now, right? Everyone has weaknesses. You've all got things that you're not great at. You've all got things that trip you up every time. They're, they're that thing that the temptation is always too strong or, or whatever it is, we've all got weaknesses. Sometimes it's just easy things, like you got a weakness to sweets. It doesn't matter how many times you say, no, no more sugar, healthy eating. You see a piece of cake and you're like, nah, tomorrow. <laughs> Some of you, it's, it's a weakness to shopping and you're like, I don't need anything else, but it's on sale and I'll buy it with money I don't have. We'll pay it off later. But sometimes our weaknesses are more internal. Sometimes our weaknesses are insecurities. It's wrong thinking about ourselves or wrong thinking about others. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a physical affliction that you can't get past. But whatever it is, we've all got weaknesses that slow us down, that discourage us, that keep us from being who we want to be, that keep us from getting where we want to go. So we've all got these weaknesses, but we revere strength and look down on weaknesses. Well, what if, what if I told you that following Jesus actually requires weaknesses and actually cautions us about our own strength? See, that's kind of a backwards idea, at least in the rest of the world's eyes. What if it's possible for our strength to actually be a weakness and for our weaknesses to be our strength. That's one of those weird paradoxes, but we read about it all through Scripture. We're in this series about the names of God, talking about all the titles, the descriptions, the qualities that, that people gave to God throughout kind of this whole story of, of Him. And, and sometimes it's names that were given to Him specifically. Sometimes it's just an idea that is repeated over and over and over again through the Bible. Well, today's is one of those ideas that we see from Genesis to Revelation, and it's this idea that God is our strength. That God is our strength. That our strength is not our strength, but that God is our strength. And, and there were so many people in Scripture that came to this conclusion, that realized this. You, you think back to David, David and Goliath. David was this scrawny little teenage kid. And, and he, he faces this huge giant and defeats him. But at the end of that, he doesn't say, check me out, you guys. He writes this in Psalm 28.7. He says, the Lord is my strength and shield. And I trust him with all my heart. He acknowledges that it wasn't his strength, that he's not strong, but the Lord was strong for him. And he, he even goes on to acknowledge that he won a physical battle against Goliath because of his spiritual strength. That that was actually a battle of faith that was won long before he ever bent over to pick up rocks. Because the Lord was his strength. David wasn't his own strength. We see another psalmist, his name is Asaph, and, and Asaph goes through this pretty incredible spiritual crisis in Psalm 73, looks at the world, everything going terribly, is tempted to give up, but he doesn't and comes to the conclusion that, that God is still kind of good in the middle of all this, but he writes this in verse 26. He says, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. So even when he was feeling discouraged and weak and, and everything else was going badly, he still was able to say, God is my strength. That God is the strength in my heart forever. In fact, it was just a few weeks ago, we were in a series called Dress Code. 
And we were talking about putting on the armor of God. And we, we read this verse every single week for two months. That's Ephesians 6.10. And it says a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So you see all through scripture this idea that God is our strength. That, that no matter what our status is, no matter what kind of state we're in, that we're to be strong in him that we are to be strong in his mighty power. But it's not up to us entirely. So what does it mean to be strong in someone else's power? Because that's, that's one of those things that sounds weird. You literally can't do that. I can't go to the gym and use Spence's muscles. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice, but no, they're his. He earned those. I, I can't use those. So how do I do that with God? How do I use God's strength when I'm weak? Well, Paul talks about this, and this is our main passage today. If you've got your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and the context here is that Paul just went through this unbelievable spiritual experience, one of those crazy mountaintop experiences with God where God showed him things and said things to him. And it's after that experience that he writes this, starting in verse 5. He says, that experience is worth boasting about, but I'm not going to do it. I will boast only about my weaknesses. If I wanted to boast, I would be no fool in doing so because I would be telling the truth, but I won't do it because I don't want anyone to give me credit beyond what they can see in my life or hear in my message, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And he goes on and says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So it, it initially sounds like the craziest paradox. How can you simultaneously be weak and strong? Like, what does that look like? That doesn't make any sense. But we have to go back to what Paul said about boasting. Because the warning here is that we will always be tempted to boast in ourselves. We'll always be tempted to say, no, I'm strong enough, I'm capable enough, no, I did this, you should look at me, look at my accomplishments, look at the things that I've, I've done, even, even in spiritual things. Right, Paul says, I, man, I, all these visions, this crazy trip God took me on, all the salvations that I'm seeing happening, he says the temptation would have been there for him to say, look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at even what, what God chose me to do all these great things. I'm so capable and strong. And, and Paul goes, no, I don't want any of that. I don't want any of that. Because if they're looking at me, then they're not looking at Jesus. And, and he goes on to say, in fact, if I'm looking at me, I'm not looking at Jesus. And I don't want any of that to happen. I want to be sure that when people see the things God has done in my life, they see God not me. So he's, he's boasting in his weaknesses. Man, man, you can start to believe the hype about yourself pretty quickly, can't you? And Paul says, I had to work at that, to not fall into that trap. 
In other words, this, this is a warning to be careful about your own strength because it can actually be a barrier to God's strength. Your own strength can end up being a barrier to God's strength. In fact, God's been warning his people about this for, for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, when you go back to the, the story of a guy named Gideon in the Old Testament. And Gideon was a warrior. He was a leader. He was about to go into battle with 30,000 of his strongest soldiers. They were going to go fight the Midianites. It was going to be awesome. They were going to win. It was great. And then God looked at them and he's like, no, nah, you have too many. He's like, yeah, that's the point. That's how you win a fight. We have more than them. And God's like, no, no, no. I want you to get rid of a whole bunch. And he makes them do these weird exercises and eventually filters them down to when they're down to 300 he goes from 30,000 to 300, and it's only then that God's like, yeah, now you're good. It's like, God, I don't think you know how to do military. I'm, I'm not sure you're the best guy to be doing this right now. But here's what he says in Judges 7-2. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. See, it's that ongoing temptation that lingers there that says, I was strong enough. I did it. I'm capable enough. I got this. I don't, I don't need anyone else's help. But see, the point of that military victory was that God would get glory. The, the point of that military victory is that people would look to God and say, look what God did. God gave us the victory. God is good. Amen. But if they had have done it themselves, it was going to be, look at what we did. We're so good. We're the best. They would have thrown a party for themselves. They would have given out trophies to each other. Best guy on the battlefield, most improved javelin thrower, or I don't know, whatever it was. They would have given speeches, and they would have said things like, oh, I just want to thank God for this opportunity. And they wouldn't have meant a word of it, because it really would have been, look at me. Does that sound familiar? Because not a lot has changed in a few thousand years. God had to weaken their army to show them his strength. God had to weaken them to strengthen them. Because you know what? There's no way 300 guys win that fight without God. The only explanation at the end of that victory was God was with us. God did that. And there wasn't any way for anyone else to say, no, no, that was me. It was God. Same thing for Paul. God had to, in, in essence, almost weaken Paul in order to give him this continual reminder that you need me. That you can't do this without me. And so he gave him a thorn in his flesh. No one knows what that is. People have debated it. It doesn't really matter. What it means is that there was just a thing that nagged him for the, for the entirety of his life so that Paul was constantly reminded that you need to rely on God. That you can't do this without him. It was an ongoing reminder that you need Jesus. He needed to be weakened, weakened so that God would be strengthened. So we need to be careful, because in other words, your own strength can be a stumbling block. The, the, the belief that you have in your own ability, your own capability, your own intelligence, your own strength can actually be a barrier. In fact, your past spiritual victories can be a barrier to future spiritual victories if you're left thinking, I did that. And it's crazy, isn't it? That the devil will actually use your past victories against you. Somehow convincing yourself that you were the one who did that. No, it's all about him. It's only ever about him. By his hand, for his glory. 
So what does that mean for us? Well, today it could mean very well that the hard season you're in, the troubles you are facing, that maybe the weakness that you have is actually put there by God to help you remember that you need to rely on him. It might be something that God has put in your life because you needed a reminder. You can't do this without me. You need me. You're not capable without me. God didn't want Gideon thinking he had anything to do with that victory, so he made it harder than he probably wanted. Paul, same thing. God didn't want Paul thinking that he was somehow capable of all this wonderful spiritual stuff, and so he made Paul's life probably harder than he wanted. But it was to teach them this ongoing reliance on God. What, what if the hard season you're in, the current battle you're facing, the weakness that you struggle with is actually intended to bring you to the end of yourself so it, you will finally look up and see God? Because isn't that what has to happen sometimes? Don't you have to be brought to the end of yourself sometimes? I mean, it's what Spence just talked about. Oh, yeah, no, I had to lose everything again because I thought I was something. And God had to show me, like, no, no, you're not, you're not without me. We need help. We need us. How many of you hate asking for help? Right? You just, no, I got this. I can do this on my own. I'm fine. I'm the worst for that. I just, no, I'm gonna, I've tried to move large pieces of furniture down my stairs alone. I don't know. It's going to be too long. I don't need to bother anyone else. We got this. And, and it falls down the stairs and breaks. Or I fall down the stairs and break. One of, one of those two things is inevitably what happens. And, and it's even at a smaller level, just that whole, like, I'm going to carry all the grocery bags in in one load. I got this. I'm good. No, I got 16 bags all at once. We, we actually, we go to Costco now and they don't have bags. It's all boxes. And so at the trunk of my car, I will start making a Jenga tower, piling it all up. And then you try and walk to your car really, really quickly without, and then of course it drops. So then you're like, do I go now and put it down? And you go and you drop a whole bunch. You know what's faster? Asking for help. That works a lot more quicker and more effectively. God is aware of our tendency to always want to do it alone. He is aware of our temptation to think, I don't need anyone else. I don't need to ask for help. I got this. I can do this on my own. And so sometimes he will have to very deliberately knock over your carefully constructed Jenga tower to remind you, you know what's easier? Asking me for help. That's actually more effective. Before every one of your triumphs, there was usually a trial. And it's often those trials that you had to endure to remember, right, God. I need God in this. I needed him the whole time in this, right? We often think that any hard thing in our life is against us. We think that our problems are against us, our weaknesses are against us, all these challenges. All, no, what if it's actually for you? It seems to be what God is indicating here. I mean, Paul's response initially was, God, take it away. I mean, isn't that what you usually do in a hard season when things are miserable and you're sick or whatever? It's just, God, take it away. Lord, be gone with this, please. And God's like, actually, no, I gave it to you. I gave it to you. Sometimes the pain you're asking God to take away is pain that he actually put there for you. And you're like, well, why isn't God taking this away? God put it there. Sometimes intentionally to teach us reliance on him. 
and he probably won't take it away until we change, until we learn, until we grow. In fact, this is what he says to Paul. When Paul begged for it to go away, God says to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul goes from praying against his pain, struggles, and weaknesses to being glad for them because they're actually being used in his favor to make him stronger and better and wider. He's better off now having gone through them because God taught him and strengthened him through those times. My grace is all you need. Sometimes that is the answer to the prayers that you get frustrated with God. God, I need your provision. Where is it? My grace is all you need. God, I'm sick and tired of this sickness. Heal me. Make it better. My grace is all you need. God, I wish you'd give me this, this promotion. I wish you'd get me out of this city. I wish you'd fix all my relationships. I wish you would what I... No, you know what you need? This is my grace. That's what you need. Sometimes that is the answer that God gives you, and we get frustrated. No, I want it taken away. He's like, well, hold on. I'm using it for you. His strength works best in your weaknesses. It's, it's often this act of needing to be emptied so that God can fill us up. Because often the thing we are full of is ourselves. And we need to be emptied of ourselves so that he can fill us and give us what it is that we really need. Weaknesses are an ongoing reminder that you need God, that we all need God. So don't be discouraged about your weaknesses. Don't be discouraged about the hard season you might find yourself in or the, the same battles that you seem to keep facing because God is using them for you, teaching you, strengthening you, sharpening you, making you better. That's what it's there for. That's what he's doing. It doesn't mean that God wants you to be weaker. Or you get this weird idea reading that, and you're like, oh, well, if the point is the weaker I am, the stronger God is, then I'm just going to become even more weak. I'm going to give in to every temptation. This is going to be super. I'm going to eat all the donuts for Jesus' glory. I'm going to rack up the credit cards in Jesus' name. going to use all the swear words for God's glory today. Amen. He's like, no, no, that's not where I'm going with this. I don't actually want you to actively get worse at your life. I don't want you to get weaker. I just want you to rem remember that I am using those to make you stronger. Like the point is still to be stronger. The point is still to grow and get better. Uh, Colossians 1.29, Paul writes, That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Paul is saying, I'm working at this. I'm giving my everything to this. I want to keep moving forward. I want to get to the finish line. I got to persevere. Like he's, he's still moving forward and doing the work of the church. And, and so this is not an invitation to give up. This is not an invitation to give in and say, oh, it's all right. I'm weak. It just means that God's stronger in me. No, it's an ongoing reminder that you need God to make you stronger. It, it, you need him to overcome those temptations. It's an encouragement that even when we do stumble, he'll still end up using that for his glory and for your good. And so we need to continually be growing up in our faith. We, we need to continually be working at this the whole time. It's just understanding that God will give us what we need to overcome these temptations. People love that line. God will never give you more than you can handle. Pfft, he always gives you more than you can handle. That's, that's what he does right here, is to teach you that you can't handle it. 
You can't, I'm not capable of doing this without him. He's always putting you in over your head so that you'll recognize that you need him and that you can't do this without him. Paul wrote in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Right? It's through Christ that gives you the strength that you can do all of those things. And we, we love that part. We love that verse. We're like, yeah, we just don't like the part where God had to give us more than we could handle to help us remember that it's through his strength that we can do it. Sadly, the truth about strength is that it usually only gets stronger in pain. You only get stronger in pain. You don't grow in comfort. No one seems to grow. When life is easy, rarely do you grow without pain. I mean, it's just like going to the gym. There isn't a single thing at the gym that won't hurt you. It is all designed to cause you pain. And the only way those guys go there and get stronger and get better is if they hurt. You're deliberately hurting yourself to get stronger. And they understand that that's the only way to get there. It's the only possible way that you get stronger. In fact, you, you get to the point, this is what they say anyway, where you like it. You're like, oh, that was a good workout. I can hardly move. Woo! It's like, what are you crazy? But it's true in life. You grow stronger through your pain. You grow stronger because of the things that God gets you through. And you come out on the other end stronger and better. That's why Paul writes in verse 10, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Like what sane man says that? It's Paul. I take pleasure in it. The insults, hardships, persecutions, troubles that I suffer for Christ, because when I am weak, he is strong. That's when I recognize my own inability that he's strong. It's when I come through a hard season of pain that I realize he made me stronger, that he made me better, that he taught me something, that he had a word for me, that I'm set up further ahead than I was before I went through it. It doesn't happen without pain. So where does this all get us? Well, kind of the bottom line here is that the strongest people I know, really what that means, it's the people with the strongest faith. Aren't those the strongest people you know? I mean, you just think about the strongest people that you can think of. It's usually people that have been through some stuff and they came out of it on the other side and God led them through it. They were able to stand firm in all of it. Some of the strongest people I know are the people that had to forgive someone that didn't deserve it. Some of the strongest people I know are the people who love people and serve people who won't or don't or can't reciprocate it. Some of the strongest people I know are people who turn the other cheek. They're the people that don't respond when there's gossip. They're the ones who work for peace when it'd be easier to avoid conflict. Some of the strongest people I know are the people who choose to praise in the middle of their pain. The ones who choose to stay patient in the middle of all of their problems. It's the people who remain faithful even in the face of their greatest fears. It's those who've gone through all of this stuff and still stand firm and are able to say, God was my refuge and my strength. He was my ever-present help in times of trouble. That is strength. That is biblical, godly strength that says, I can do this because he is the one who does this for me. He, he helps me do things that I would not have been capable of doing apart from his strength. And that's true strength. It's not what the world views as strength. But the Bible doesn't care. You can be strong and quiet. 
That's a thing. You can be strong and old. You can be strong and really young. You can be strong and be really small. You can be strong and not have a whole lot of influence in the world. That's biblical strength. That, that he uses all of those kinds of people to accomplish incredible things for his glory. Isn't that who he always used in scripture? Jesus would always go to the down and out, the weak and the weary, the ones who were the least deserving, the ones who had the least amount of influence, and he would do something crazy for them and in them, and people would be like, why, why did you go to them? What are you doing with them? It's because when we're weak, that he is strong. So be encouraged today that in your weakness, in your troubles, in your pain, you are perfectly positioned for God to show up and give you strength. That you are perfectly positioned for God to be doing something in your life, for him to actively be strengthening you right now. And so just ask him, look to him. If this is you right now, rely on him, call on him, invite him in, be emptied of yourself, ask the spirit to fill you up, and invite him to have his strength replace yours. Because he's going to use it for you. He's got a reason and he's got a purpose for you. Don't let your weaknesses win. Don't be so discouraged that you give up. Don't certainly turn away from God in your hardest seasons. In fact, that's what the devil would want. Instead, we get to use the devil's own trickery against him. Or he would say, ha, this pain, this weakness, this is going to mess you up. We get to say, ha, I'm actually going to be stronger because of that. Not today, Satan. <laughs> you just made me better. You made me stronger. So be encouraged that if you are tired and weary and worn out and exhausted, that God has exactly placed you there so that you would call on him, look to him, be filled with him, encouraged by him, and that he is strengthening you in the process to make you stronger than you were before having gone through it. I want to close with Isaiah 40, 28 that says, Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. There's new strength for you, strength that you didn't know was there, strength that you thought was lacking, strength that, that wasn't available to you before now. He's, no, there's new strength, and it's strength that will let you soar high on wings like eagles, and you will run and not grow weary, and you will walk and not faint. That is the strength of the Lord, and it's only from him, and it's for his glory and for his purposes. So be encouraged, even in your weaknesses today, because he's using it for you and for him. Isn't that good news? I know it is for me. I know it is for all of us who have been discouraged and upset and wondering why this season and when will it end. It's just wait. He's using it for you, and he's making us stronger. I want to pray for us. Today, Jesus, we are so grateful. I mean, unbelievably, undeservingly grateful that you use even our worst moments for us, that, that you use even our hardest temptations in our favor, that the things we get so mad about and upset about and tired of, you're thinking, no, 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 those are good for you. Just watch and see what I do with it. The enemy is intending it for evil, but I'm going to use it for good. And, and so, God, I pray for the people who are here today who are in that season they're in that kind of mode of, this is painful, this is confusing, this is difficult. God, I want it to end. God, I pray that you would speak to them today and give them your assurance that you are with them, that you are for them, that you are working in their favor. God, I pray that you would 
give them comfort and peace when it doesn't seem like there should be any. God, I pray for people that you would give them wisdom during these hard times, that you would grow their strength and their faith in these hard times. And may they and all of us continue to be stronger because we look to you, we lean on you, we call on you, we rely on you. Take away the sin of self-sufficiency that's in all of our lives and help us to know that your grace is sufficient. Whatever it is we're wrestling with today, your grace is sufficient. So give us that truth. Continue to be with us and strengthen us. And we ask it in the name of Jesus.